The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 673, recorded on January 19th, 673rd edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 506th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Dunzu. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Yeah, so um, sorry for the delay, folks. There's just a lot of things happening and this episode just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. People have businesses to run and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, but better late than never. Some of the, that means some of the news is going to be a little bit dated, but not too dated. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, what have you been playing, DJ? Uh, I've been playing Divinity Original Sin 2. We have, uh, wow. Baldur's Gate coming out, Baldur's Gate 3 coming out this year. And so I kind of want to jump into Larian's games again and just sort of, you know, Divinity Original Sin 2 was already a freaking amazing game. That is literally the reason why Larian was given Baldur's Gate 3 is because of how amazing Well, here, you can have your conversation with Scott about that because he is a fan of Larian games. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, you, the one of the, my favorite parts of that is that not only can you, like, make a character in any way that you – in nearly any way that you want, it's so customizable with, like, you get the preset classes, but you can kind of mix and match and – Create your own thing. I also love that you can uh, play that game both online and offline co-op, which is what me and Sam are about to do is uh, is uh, is play a co-op campaign through that. Yeah, I, I like that uh, option as well. And then you control the various uh, uh, recruited characters, you know, that you can play and they have the, their own story and struggles that they're going through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that to be fun when I was playing with my brother-in-law and playing that game. And we would try to do the quest and fight some of the monsters. Um, and it was, it was a challenging game, too, because they have, like, skill checks and, uh, you know, trying to figure out different puzzles of how you do things. And not everything uh, can be solved with the with your sword. So there's a lot of thinking involved and sometimes just having the right skill. Uh, on your character as well so regarding Baldur's Gate 3 it's almost it's 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 almost complete and um you still only play play the first third of Baldur's Gate 3 but from what I understand it's feature complete it's just uh you know everything's just being polished now Mm -hmm. and like yeah, and, and I'm I'm really excited because one of the things that they're doing with Baldur's Gate 3 is they're like they're upping the environmental interactivity from even Original Sin 2, which Original Sin 2 has such good like interactions as is. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the tactics you can take when you're on that 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 Illithid ship is you just kick people off the <laughs> off the edge say bye. Mm-hmm. I don't have to fight you. <laughs> One of my favorite things I've been uh, so like with this uh, with this campaign that I started, uh, I I went with a, a lizard man, which uh, they have a natural fire breath ability, and I went with the uh, the wayfarer class, which is like archer mixed with a little bit of magic, 
So my my play, my my favorite play right now is setting uh, arrows on fire with your breath and just shooting. I use my fire breath to set the land on fire and then I imbue the fire into my arrows and shoot at enemies that are way far away. That's awesome. I I liked uh, on the first Divinity Venture Sand just spreading oil everywhere with the barrels and then lighting the oil on fire. Mm. Yeah, I uh, and then I have a uh, one of my fellow characters is an elementalist. No, wait, enchanter, which they use a lot of ice and electric magic. I love the rain spell and how much you can do with ice and electricity with that. Mm -hmm. How about you, Scott? What have you been playing? I have been playing some of the Strata game that you told me about. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's very nice. It's very uh, relaxed game. Just Dorf Romantic. Oh, no, so you're playing Strata. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. You mean the string game. Okay. Yes, the string game. And uh, you pull strings along a little square color, and you have to get uh, the second string to uh, you have match to make, the color. Yeah, what you have to do is you have to figure out a way to make the match the pattern. And it, it all depends on which which uh, which threads go over the other threads because threads hide each other. So you have to make sure that this thread goes first, then this thread goes first, then this thread, then this thread. And a nice uh, piano accompaniment. Yeah. Uh, it's very pleasant. Um, so. Have you played Dorf Romantic yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, that's that's a game to play next. Um, if you like Carcassonne and maybe Suburbia, that's a game to play. Whoa, that was a loud thunder here. I don't know if you could hear it from my mic. No. Even with the noise reduction, I could hear it on my mic. Just loud thunder. Wow. Um, as for me, um, I downloaded Persona 3 and Persona 4. I haven't played them yet. Um, I've, I've, I've started playing The Elder Scrolls again, but this time I'm playing it on Windows 11 so I can get some achievements on it. Just to see... If I still enjoy Elder Scrolls, because I didn't really in enjoy Elder Scrolls Five, so I'm gonna try it again and see if I enjoy it this time. You playing Skyrim or yeah, one of the other? Skyrim. Okay. Yeah. Right. I also play the Atari 50th Anniversary, and it's worth it just to watch the videos about the history of Atari. Although by this, the last part basically is an Atari advertisement, and I didn't enjoy it too much and it, it skipped over the lit, later years but the early years were really fascinating and it was great to see some of it i also pl enjoyed playing uh, adventure and yars revenge again and they actually have an updated version of of yars revenge and when i was playing adventure i was thinking you know why don't they make an updated version of adventure oh that would be awesome i used to play that all the time when i was a kid and on my old atari and it was a and you, you you get stuck in these dragons sometimes holding the sword and the dragon dies and you're still swallowed up and yeah and they look like little flamingos. The funny like, no no everybody calls them ducks. The funny thing oh, is that bat ducks. picks up everything. So sometimes they'll pick up a dead dragon and just fly it all over the place. It's yeah. like ooh I like to fly with it. And then sometimes it'll pick up the dragon with you inside it. Yeah, yeah, you had to find a bridge to go over the wall to get a key to open the gate yeah. to get in and get the grail. And but here's the thing: the easiest, the easiest level was very, very simple. But I always went for the hardest level, in which everything was randomized. Yeah. And god damn it, when the when the friggin' bat picks up something you need, like the bridge or a key and stuff like that, it's just like really annoying. I also mm -hmm. played a little bit of Haunted House, and I think that would make a great uh, remake. And I mean, they did remake it, actually. They actually did remake that. I love that one, too. It was really creepy. 
just a pair of glowing eyes and you're trying to find your way out. Wow. Oh, that was a good one. And um, I would like to see a first person version of that um, with real light life lighting. That would be cool. Well, Colossal Caves is out now, so that might be a little bit like that, where you're going through a whole cave system and there's puzzles in there, or at least the, the cave is the puzzles. So now you're wandering around in there. And did we discuss this last time about um, the System Shock remake? I th- I'm not sure. we. I think we did. I'm not sure. But I'm also looking forward to that. It's getting ready to be launched. There's going to be a lot of good games this year that I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, the uh, Trial Sejour's official translation, Octopath. Yeah, we did talk about it last episode. And uh, trial, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, uh, Jedi Fallen Survivor. Oh. Then there's... But that's uh, a sequel. That's not a remake. That uh, is a sequel. But I, let's not go through all the games that are coming out. But, um, yeah, System Shock's coming out in March. So I'm excited about that. Um, so... The other thing is that I've been playing a lot of Dorf Romantic as my sort of, um, you know, sort of like, oh, I have 15 minutes to kill. Although I will say this, to do if I get a huge map and I'm doing really well, it's like 90 minutes. And it's like, I don't even notice the time passing by. It's like I'm playing this game for 90 minutes. It feels like I'm playing for 10 minutes. You ever have a game like that in which you say, oh, you know, you're so lulled by it that you say, wait a minute. It's, it's half. It's an hour and a half already. Um. Also, uh, Slay the Spire, the board game edition, is getting ready to be shipped, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I did it on Kickstarter. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to quick news. And first news, uh, this was just like an hour ago, Age of Wonders 4 announced. So for those of you who don't know, Age of Wonders is basically a spiritual successor to Master of Magic. Um, And it's... Age of Wonders 4, it's evolved so much, it's more like Master of Magic meets Stellaris. Because there's a lot more story beats in it, and there's a lot, like, you can have a friendly town that slowly grows to like you, and once they, they trust you, they not only become a vassalage, but they join your, you know, they join your empire. It's beautiful, of course, but um, the gameplay has been expanding, as it should, after four editions. I mean, I've been playing Master of Magic, which is a straight-up remake of it, um, and it's less complicated, but that's not bad either. Uh, TJ, have you played Age of Wonders 4? I mean, Age of Wonders, uh, period. (laughs) No, I haven't had a chance to jump into that series at all. How about you, Scott? Age of Wonders, I have not played that, no. Wow, I would expect you would have played that. Yeah, I I know, I, I should. I, I really should. I mean, it's you have all these crazy, cool gods and fantasy stuff, and I think you're confusing Age of Wonders with uh, uh, with uh, Age of Mythology. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, you're. No, not not not. No, no, no. It's not a real time strategy game. It's it's more or less. It's coming, and the thing is, it's a surprise release date. It's coming out on May. It's like it's like a surprise. It's coming out for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. And please notice PS5 and Xbox Series X, not Xbox One, not PlayStation 4. And it's been nine years since the last game came out, too. No, Age of Mythology is a completely different game. You're thinking of the uh, Age of Wonder... Uh, no, uh, Age of... Uh, what, what's it called? Um, Age of Empires. This is not This is not Age of Empires. No, this is... Um, this is Age of Wonders in which um, it's... Think of Heroes of Might and Magic mixed with Stellaris. 
Hmm. That sounds fun. I think you might really like it, Scott. Yeah, I'll have to give it a try. You know, here's the thing about Age of Wonders 3. It's like a couple of years ago, it was like nine bucks on Steam. I wonder how, how cheap it is now. So you could actually get a taste of what Age of Wonders is like for probably five bucks or something. Yeah, I, I have them. I just have to play them. <laughs> okay. But Age of Wonders 4 looks a lot better than Age of Wonders 3. Anyways, uh, the next quick news is that the publisher slashes pro- uh, Callisto Protocol sales by hopes by over a half after it failed to meet uh, absurd expectations. Crafton, uh, who did the Callisto Protocol, expected it to sell 5 million. Now they're saying it's going to sell 2 million, which admits will still not be easy. Aside from okay, here aside from the bad word of mouth, I think that the fact that the Dead Space remake is coming out in a few days was a bigger problem for the Callisto Protocol. Because why buy that game when you have the when you have the actual Dead Space coming out? Yeah, I mean, I know you liked it, uh, TJ. <laughs> it's a very different game from Dead Space, and like a, it was one of the mo- I think it was probably one of the most beautiful games of 2022 in a very grisly way, but. Still, probably one of the uh, one of the most graphically intense games I'd seen of last year. Uh, B, there is not a single, there is a handful of horror games that could meet that expectation. Horror games don't. Do of, well, you have Resident Evil Four remake coming out. Resident Evil Four remake is one of the only games that will that would be able to do that. I think then, only I think. I think Resident Evil 4 and Dead Space are like two huge behemoths in the thing that people would just be satisfied with for the rest of the year. I don't even think that Dead Space Remake or Silent Hill 2 Remake are are going to do that kind of numbers. You mean yeah. you mean Resident Evil 4 Remake? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Resident Evil 4 Remake and uh, – no, wait, no. Uh, Silent Hill 2 Remake is only going to be on one platform. Sure, but what I'm saying is that I don't even think that Dead Space Remake or Silent Hill 2 Remake can do that kind of numbers that fast. Horror I, is I, a niche genre. People don't like people don't like going to horror in mass and and I don't. And here's the thing. Qualities. Dead Space is more like System Shock than it is, you know, and it's something that people know. I'm By not, the way, oh, go ahead. Put it in perspective, like what kind of how how absurd those expectations are. Resident Evil 7 is like the high, the most high selling horror game survival horror in like the last 30 years. And even then, like it took, it took Resident Evil 7 about like it it came out in early, in the early part of its year in early 2017. Yeah. And uh, it took until November 2017 for it to move 4 million copies. And that's Resident Evil 7. That is the highest selling game in that franchise right now. Yeah. And I mean, it's so it's gotten further. It's gotten to 10 million now. But even Resident Evil 2 remake and even Resident Evil 3 remake didn't move over, I think, three to four million copies in like that in the same amount of time. So we're talking about if Resident Evil 7, the, the highest selling Resident Evil of all time so far, can't put up that kind of numbers, then a new IP that nobody has heard of before that is that is in the horror genre is not going to be able to break five million in a year. I just don't think that's reasonable. I wonder what the sales expectations for Resident Evil Four will be. I think that Resident Evil Four will probably be the. I think Resident Evil Four on on a in the same in the same amount of time as it took uh, Resident Evil Seven will probably outsell it. 
I mean, it's going to be on every conceivable. It's going to be on every conceivable uh, platform, you know. Plus, from, it just has a built-in fan base. Everybody I loves know. Resident Evil Four. Well, they keep replaying it. They have Resident Evil Four. They have the first PC remaster. Then they have the second PC remaster. Now it's the console remaster. We'll see. Uh, moving on, and the final quick news: Returnal comes to PC in November and February. And initially drops a 32 gigabyte recommended RAM requirement, and uh, they announced today it would they back to 16 gigabyte. Why do I think it's there's st- it's still going to be a 32 recommended? I think either they have to really scale it back, or they're lying, and they just want people to buy it because having a 32 gigabyte recommended RAM requirement is steep. Yeah, I don't know, like. That is like a top of the line PC, right? You'd have to. That is even, yeah. That, 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 Jesus, make that happen. That's a high end PC. I mean, buying a new PC, you could probably get a 32 gigabytes, but a lot of people didn't just buy their PC. They bought it like five years ago, and they probably still have just like a 16 gigabyte. I don't know. See, here's the thing: Um, the PlayStation 5 is not a 32 gigabyte system, right? I don't know what they're trying to do with Returnal. That on a, a more powerful machine would need more requirements. I mean, I get it. Maybe they really jacked up the graphics, but I can't imagine that you won't have you won't be able to have graphic options like oh, I'm just going to put it to HD, you know, just uh, you know 1080p, something like that. Because Returnal is a roguelike. Roguelikes generally don't need beefy uh, systems to run. I mean, you can bet your bottom dollar that Diablo 4, whenever it comes out, is going to make sure that it's able to run on low-end machines. Yeah, so good luck running that game. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of the nominees last year for Best PlayStation 5 Game. So, there you have it. Anyways, we're going to move on to the main game news, and uh, I can't wait for, for, for TJ's reaction to this. <laughs> because Ubisoft's having a lot more problems, not just this. They're having a lot of problems which we'll get into after we talk about this. Ubisoft delayed Skull and Bones again and canceled more games. This comes to us from MSN. Ubisoft announced yet another Skull and Bones delay after adjusting its 2022 profit forecast downward and canceled three unannounced projects. This marks about half a dozen times that Ubisoft has delayed its pirate game, which is originally meant to launch in 2018. The Assassin's Creed maker also canceled four unannounced projects in 2022. Uh, CNBC reports that Ubisoft's new forecast is uh, 725 million euros, down from its earlier 830 million euro prediction. Uh, company uh, CEO, our favorite Yves Yijimo, cited worsening macroeconomic conditions as a cause, one that was contri- that contributed to Mario versus Ra- Mario and Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, and Just Dance 2023 underperforming. I forgot to mention, uh, one of the other quick news is that Microsoft is laying off 10,000 people from now till May, March, which may sound a lot, uh, but they also hire something like 220,000 people. But they cited the uh, upcoming global recession, because uh, China is having a worse, more, uh, worse problem than the U.S. did with. See, the U.S. had the subprime mortgaging crisis. China has the uh, dire half dragon version of that, and Russia is suffering because people are just boycotting them uh, with the uh, from their invasion of the Ukraine. So all of this is causing a, a global recession right now. So Ubisoft is one of those teams that is is. Uh, is suffering from that, but I will say, uh, after I continue that 
a lot of this is their fault. Uh, 2022 saw several leaks and announcements from Ubisoft, including Assassin's Creed Mirage and a new Star Wars game, but few actual releases and no blockbuster hits like Far Cry or Assassin's Creed because Far Cry 6 sucked. Uh, anonymous sources in Ubisoft told Kotaku that the company is planning millions of dollars worth of cutbacks and is already starting the process by not filling current vacancies. Ubisoft also told Kotaku that Skull and Bones is finished and just needs more polishing and testing than the team realized because Skull and Bones fucking sucks. It is a boring piece of shit, and it should have been one of the games they scrapped. But it's a lost, it's a it's a sunk cost, uh, sunk sunk ship fallacy, ironically, because who needs to? It's just fancier World of Warships. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it, actually. <laughs> and man, like they had such a good thing going with Black Flag. Why did they take so long to and like move away from that? Why did they move away from that? I don't understand. They had such a good thing with like the sh- the pirate sailing and, uh, and maybe Sea of Thieves scared them. But here's the thing: some people would like Sea of Thieves, but done differently. You know, just done a different way. And you can do that. I mean, maybe you don't make you make Sea of Thieves, except not cartoony and fun. You know, funny, a more serious and you know, and more cutthroat. You know, just make it sort of like the Rust version of Sea of Thieves. Yeah, I don't know. It really disappoints me to see that. Like, imagine you were working on one of those three games, and you found out that they were going to scrap your game in favor of putting more money into fucking skull and bones <laughs> for <laughs> NFTs. Well, no, that's Square Enix, but we're going to talk about that later. (laughs) But the thing is that um, there's another problem, too. Ubisoft keeps making the same game over and over and over again. They're making Assassin's Creed slash Far Cry open world games, and people are just sick of it. And one of the things that people were excited about Skull and Bones initially was that it wasn't going to use that formula, you know, but they're using a different formula that no one likes. No, who's going to stop playing World of Warships to play Skull and Bones, except maybe they like a pirate theme? I don't know. I really don't know. It's it's baffling just what they've done with this game. And I have a feeling it's uh, there. It has, I have a feeling it has to do with Singapore, right? Like where they're on the hook with uh, with some of the money that they've taken in to uh, as funding to create this game. And I feel like <laughs> if, they can't get out of that. If Microsoft wasn't having dealings with the FTC right now, you could bet their bottom dollar that Microsoft will be looking at Ubisoft and saying, hmm, there's our next purchase. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, imagine what Microsoft would do with Assassin's Creed. It has to be better than what they're doing with oh, than Ubisoft is doing with that. Uh, I don't know. And people complain about Team th- uh, 343 Industries and Halo. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. <laughs> Scott, I mean, uh, DJ, you take this one because it's hilarious. <laughs> Final Fantasy maker Square Enix plans aggressive NFT investment from Washington Post. In a January 1st letter, Square Enix president Yosuke Matsuda shared the company's vision for 2023, which includes aggressive investment into blockchain technology and NFTs. This continuation of the company's contentious 2022 business strategy comes amid instability in cryptocurrency and the growing unpopularity of NFTs among gamers. Hold on one sec. Growing unpopularity? That seems to indicate that it hasn't maxed out. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's it's crashing and burning. How he doesn't know, I, I it's just beyond me. Oh, and instability in cryptocurrency. Yeah, we let's talk about Sam Bankman-Fried for a moment. <laughs> yeah. The the board monkey lawsuits. There's oh, so I didn't even think about that. Stories of failures in the NFL Oh my god, version. and also Logan Paul. And uh-huh. I I would I would say it couldn't have happened to a worse person. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. here's the thing, for those who don't know, Logan Paul did these response videos, which basically put him in hot water because, among other things, he um, revealed a uh, uh, an ir- uh, you know the charge of someone from a record that it has been expunged. And I don't know how he got the record, but here's the thing: if you do that, that is automatically in Arizona. I think it was Arizona that it was in. It's automatically a Class A misdemeanor. And he is going to get his ass sued. He's already getting his ass sued from various people. This is what happens when you don't have a lawyer to tell you, don't do this. Like, no one told Sam Bankman-Fried to shut up. (laughs) No one told Logan Paul to shut up. Although, here's the thing. I bet you if his lawyers told Logan Paul to shut up, he would ignore them and talk anyway. Huh. And remember, the worst thing that he used to do is that he's filmed a dead body. That seems quaint now. I mean, that's the yeah. plot. That's the plot to uh, Stephen King's The Body. Anyway, you know, stand by me. Kids went to I, see uh, a dead body. and That's it. <laughs> I've taken real issue with uh, certain people online saying, now we know that <laughs> Logan Paul is a bad person. And it's like, really? monetized a, a video about, yeah. <laughs> We've known. So there's, this is, shouldn't be news. We shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You know that Logan Paul is always that. That uh, villainous jock character in a teen comedy. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Matsuda wrote in a letter. Matsuda wrote in a letter that Square Enix has multiple block- blockchain games based on original IPs under development, some of which we announced last year, and we are undertaking pre- preparations that will. Uh, um, sorry. That will enable us to unveil even more titles this year. It said Square Enix devoted a considerable amount of resources to NFT projects in 2022. In May, the company announced that it sold a number of game studios and franchises to Swedish holding company Embracer Group for $300 million, noting in a press release that the transaction enables the launch of new businesses by moving forward with investments in fields including blockchain, AI, and the cloud. The sale coincided with the massive fifty or five hundred billion uh, crypto crash in that same month. By the way, the the uh, the games the the IPs that it sold were all their Western franchises. You know everything that you would you know like a Deus Ex and the other you know stuff that was from Eidos and you know so they basically just kept Final Fantasy and their other uh, Eastern projects. Yeah. Yeah. And then in November, Square Enix broke my heart when they revealed uh, Symbiogenesis. Symbiogenesis. Which is an NFT game that was met with backlash from gamers, including myself, who were expecting it to be a a revival of the revered horror series Parasite Eve. So before we go move on, TJ, describe Parasite Eve to us. Parasite Eve is a sci-fi modern JRPG in which you play as a New York City cop that develops she has, that develops psychic powers that she then uses to fight a uh, a other another psychic 
who mutates into a mass like not only mutates herself into a uh, a psychic powerhouse of a being, but also mutates other creatures around her, or just straight up sets them on fire. It is a masterpiece of uh, of like that modern style of JRPG, and I really wish it would come back. Yeah, it, uh, it launched in 1998, uh, the first one, just at the time that it, w- it was basically a part of the J-Har phenomena, you know, like mm-hmm. Ring. Um. And was, it's uh, it's been a dormant series, and there's nothing really like it. Like there there is no other game in which you use JRPG mechanics to like fire bullets or use psychic powers or like and and I mean I guess like you could probably say something like the Persona series, but it's very different from that. It's, yeah. Well, there's Penny Blood now, so there's that. But I I do agree with you. It, it is pretty unique series. So the last in the mainline series for it came out in 2000, um, and you had a third-person shooter, I believe, called The Third Birthday. Um, we don't talk about The Third Birthday. <laughs> which came out in 2010. So essentially you have a game that has been – a series that has been basically dormant for over 20 years. Right. And uh, I'm among those that would love to see it come back. Like if they did a Final Fantasy VII-style revival of Parasite Eve, I would I would buy the hell out of it on every platform. <laughs> Yeah. Matsuda expressed optimism in the future of uh, blockchain games, referencing the Japanese government's initiatives to, pre- to m- promote Web3 services, NFTs, and the metaverse. Matsuda also mentioned that Square Enix would aim to fill the objectives laid out in the company's March 2022 financial results briefing, including investing in blockchain company Animoca Brands, establishing publishing arms in countries where cryptocurrencies are popular and branded NFTs. Well, not in El Salvador anymore. That's for damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> for those uh, who don't know what I'm referring to, El Salvador, a lot of the citizens, because their, 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 their currency is so weak, were using uh, Bitcoin for stuff. And then basically they just crashed and the, their Bitcoins were worthless, essentially crashing their entire economy. So yeah, I, I I don't know what Japanese is for. Read the room because this is just putting blinders on and, and going na 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 na. Everything's fine. We're gonna move forward with this. Here's the thing I want to tell Matsuda. You know they're called video games for a reason. You know people pay you for fun. They don't give you money to invest that's not why they're buying your shit they don't buy they don't buy an an nft and say oh i hope this goes up in value at some point that's that's not what people play video games for they play it because they want to escape they want to play a game that requires nothing of them except joystick inputs yeah i just I don't understand how Square Enix can look at the writing on the wall and say, I can't read that. (laughs) (laughs) Or I refuse to read that. It's worse. It's like it's it's uh, they see a sign that says go no further. and They say, oh, go right in. Sure. Uh, It is disheartening because it's like it's not disheartening. It's hilarious. And what's funny is that I mean, it's it's disheartening (sighs) when it's happening to a company I care about, you know, that that has Dragon's Quest and Final Fantasy and I don't want to see 
these things chopped up and sold as little NFT icons to for to be bought. Like here's the thing. Square Enix is making Konami look smart. At least investing in pachinko machines gets you money. It, it's gambling, of course, but that gets that's actual gambling. That will make Konami money. You know? Pachinko machines make actual money. These won't make money for Square Enix. And yeah, we lost, uh, you know, Silent Hills, but you know what? Can you imagine what Sony is going to uh, imagine Final Fantasy 16 and there's NFTs in it? By the way, Sony, they want to do 10 live service games from now through 2026. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Who's going to want to play 10 fucking live service games? If, if For people who do play a live service game, they usually just play one. They also must have missed the part where games like... Uh... Oh, yeah, when, when CD Projekt Red announced, we're going to have NFTs, people shot at them now so much, they oh, we, we made a mistake, sorry, we're not going to use NFTs. There are developers who listen. <laughs> like, CD Projekt Red was one of them. <laughs> um, also, no, no, it wasn't CD Projekt, it was uh, GSC Game World, because it was supposed to be in Stalker 2. Also, they must have missed the part where, like, Marvel's Avengers, Death Verse, yeah. uh, <laughs> Death Verse Let It Die... And quite a few other games. That oh, were, we're going to have to talk about Suicide Squad in, in a bit. <laughs> just fell on their face and crashed and burned. And I loved Death vs. Let It Die, by the way. I loved that game. I yeah, it's, it's it a fun mobile game. I wanted it to continue to grow. I wanted it to continue to expand. But it just didn't have the player base for it. And that's the fact, is that if a, if a, if a live service game isn't as good as, like, Fortnite or Destiny then people will not stick around to see if it gets better. Or have a backing. It's funny because Fallout 76, some people have noticed that it's moving further and further away from live service. As a matter of fact, one news item that was just today, which I did not get a chance to write, um, Bungie has been removing all the live service elements from Destiny 2. I'm pretty sure you saw that news item. It just popped up like an hour ago. Yeah, and like... I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, if, if a game isn't, like, constantly innovating and constantly being pushed into a better state at, like they do with Fortnite and Destiny 2, then gamers aren't patient enough to stick around for that shit. I mean, you still have fans of Fallout Shelter because it may be a live service game, but it's it's not aggressive. Everything you – there isn't too much – you don't have to wait too much time to get a uh, – uh, a lunchbox, right? Which is the basic, you know, thing that gets you special stuff. I mean, even in Fallout, in Fallout Shelter, if you, if you wait long enough, you'll get a you'll get a, a a lunchbox. You know, if you want a lunchbox right now, sure, you can buy one. But they're not like saying you're never getting it. You're gonna have to do five thousand hours to earn one. No, that's silly. Yeah. So, Square Enix, what the fuck? Stop it. <laughs> Agreed. Like. You're, they do, they're doing things that I really enjoy. I, I, I like the look of Final Fantasy 16. I also like the look of Dragon Quest 12. I also like the spinoffs that they've been doing with Dragon Quest. I also like the HD 2D remakes that they're working on. And they, they have Octopath 2 coming out. You know? Octopath 2 coming out? Dragon Quest 3 remake coming out? Yo. God, they're doing like so many good things and then they just pair it with this garbage. It's like it's two different companies it in is. the same house that don't talk to each other. Well, here's the thing. 
Um, you'll notice that a lot of developers won't grumble loudly about this, but they don't like doing it either. And by the way, I should talk about NBA 2K23, about live service. Um, you might notice reviews for that. There was a lot of pushback against the uh, really aggressive VC pushing that the game is doing. And a lot of people are starting to get more and more turned off. I wish pe- – and, and with Madden, you know, the unfortunate thing is that people are loud about it, but there are too many – People who are into the ultimate team to, to just drown out and make EA think that, yeah, it's getting a lot of negative reviews, but anyone care. But at least NBA 2K23, people are starting to get really angry at the VC because it's really distorting the game. And, you know, when you have one and oh, and that's also ruined uh, MLB the show for me, too, because Sony's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Let's move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Some happy news for, for once. New single-player MechWarrior game in the works. This is from Eurogamer. MechWarrior 5 developer uh, Piranha Games is working on a new title in the long-running MechWarrior series, with the studio currently aiming to release the project in 2024. Piranha Games president Russ Bullock shared the news during an interview with the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast, teasing... I'll just say it's not MechWarrior Online 2. It's not the successor to MechWarrior Online. It's not online PvP. Think of it more in line with MechWarrior 5, but a standalone game, a standalone product. According to Bullock, the current mysterious title, which is being developed for PC and consoles, follows a more of a single-player co-op type pathway. In the immediate future, Piranha has more in store with MechWarrior 5 with its fourth DLC release, Rise of the Razzlehog, uh, launching on 26th of January. So that's now, definitely good for MechWarrior fans like TJ, right? Here's the thing. Um, when you say single uh, co-op type of pathway, there is room in there for, uh, you know, for live service, but it doesn't sound like it. I mean, yeah, they're, not, they're, not also, they're also not calling it a MechWarrior 6, so it makes me wonder. Is this one of the games where you can get like a big console, like a huge console thing? No, 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 no. You're thinking of uh, Steel Battalion, uh, the old old school Steel Battalion with that gigantic uh, what's it called <laughs> thing, and it's rare as hell. But you know what? Every time it's it, every time people have a have a multiplayer game with that, it is fantastic. You even have a you have to flip up a switch and press a button, a protected button to to eject from your. You're die. You're destructing Mech Warrior because if you don't do that, you're dead. <laughs> I love those. I, like, I I I have a cousin that had that set up, and I I'm honored to say I have had a chance to play with a little bit of Steel Battalion, and it, it is a, it is an experience. Like you have to press these buttons just to rev up your your mech, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is completely. Here's the thing: from a gameplay standpoint, it's completely superfluous. But from an immersion level, you really feel like you're you're starting up your mech and starting to do something. You know, it feels like you really have the controls in front of you. And you know, someone should do that. Someone should. They had that Connect Steel Battalion, which was not very good. But um, I think Microsoft should do Steel Battalion and have the $250 controller. You know, and say, hey, look, if you're hardcore, we're going to do this. <laughs> I think to myself 
No, people paid that much for for rock band instruments. So, well, I think to myself, like as much as I enjoyed Mech Warrior Online, I would love to have a uh, a updated version of that. And even if they just do it as a single player campaign, I wouldn't mind playing something like that. I uh, I'm generally a fan of Mech Warrior's uh, machines and how they operate and how you can customize them. Um, I hope they have something like uh, uh damn it um. Uh oh god, I forgot the name of the game and it's oh Titanfall. I hope it has something like a Titanfall thing in which you can get out of your uh, mech and let it move on itself while you're on on the ground because that was always that always made the mech seem even bigger because um yeah, it's one thing when you're in the mech and you're fighting, but when you get out of your mech and you're like this t- teeny little guy next to your gigantic machines, that always adds something. I also wonder if the timing of this announcement wasn't influenced by the game awards because Armored Core 6 is coming this year, and that's the one I'm super interested in. I uh, like I, I wouldn't mind if mech, if a new Mech Warrior game was good, but boy howdy, uh, if uh, if Armored Core 6 is really good, it's going to take a lot to get me away from that. I'm going to go up to Larry Herb and say, uh, Steel Battalion, Xbox Series X, <laughs> do it. And no, no connect this time. The big, the big controller. And I'll remind him that people paid, you know, two hundred dollars for a rock band with all the controllers in it. Steel Battalion was a Capcom thing, right? Yeah, but you know what? But it was only released on Xbox. I mean, they could just, you know, Microsoft and Capcom could collaborate and, and do it. Or hell, make it multi-platform. Who cares? Although I don't, if Microsoft, if I if I told Microsoft, they would probably make a deal with Capcom, keep it quiet, and you know. So more Mech Warrior? Yes, please go ahead. I, I would be happy to have to choose between a good Armored Core and a good Mech Warrior game in uh, 2024. Well, I mean, here's the thing. This sounds like it's going to be like in two years, so it's going to be plenty of time because if they're releasing DLC for Mech Warrior Five, right? But they, it looks like they want to try to release this sometime in 2024. Anyways, moving on. Suicide's leaked uh, Battle Pass and in-game store triggers anger among fans. And this comes from PC Gamer. An image purportedly leaked from a pre-release build of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has revealed that the game will feature both a Battle Pass and an in-game store, and some followers of the games are not happy about it. Uh, The image, which initially appeared on 4chan, clearly shows Battle Pass and store drop-down menus. as what appears to be multiple uh, types of in-game currencies. That's fairly standard stuff for competitive free-to-play games, but Suicide Squad is a solo joint with support for drop-in, drop-out, co-op to play. Uh, pricing hasn't been officially announced yet, but it's a, expected to be in line with conventional premium game releases. UK retailer Game, for instance, currently ha- is offering Suicide Squad for a pre-order of £70. Uh, what appears to be a contributing factor to some of the furor is a lack of information about how Suicide Squad will play. No substantial gameplay footage has been released, and for players who are expecting a single-player campaign in the style of Arkham City, having a monetization scheme announced via leak has challenged expectations, especially after Gotham Knights was released. And here's the disappointing thing, if this turns out to be true, because this is the game that's being done by Rocksteady. Yeah, I uh, I was under the impression from the very beginning that this was like, a, a, a rocksteady game yeah a co-op campaign like that you wouldn't have like it would have a beginning it would have a story it would have an ending the idea of suicide squad as a live service game sounds yeah I don't know, that turns me right off <laughs> <laughs> i mean i played marvel's avengers i played gotham knights i am done i am done yeah yeah and i just it didn't 
it doesn't need to be wedged in there. I, this is obviously, it feels like executive decisions. Like it feels like this is the, they, like what was forced in middle earth shadow of war. And then somebody leans in and says, well, where's the battle pass? How are we going to keep making <laughs> money off this after it launches? And then I, I hate it. I the funny thing it. is that for Middle Earth Shadow of a War, I never used the – I never paid for anything in it because I earned mm-hmm. everything in it easily. You know, It's like it was a non-issue. It's just very strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> and it's, it sucks too because I was actually super excited for Suicide Squad. I, I thought was it was super very- excited. I, I was interested. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, I was I was super excited because the idea of playing as the Suicide Side Squad and actually having to go up against the full Justice League, whatever is going on with them, like dealing with them one at a time and each of their each of their powers and abilities and and the things that they do sounded like an interesting experience that we really haven't gotten out of DC games. And then to take that and strap it with stupid things like probably like endless amounts of loot and a battle pass and, and live service elements, just like way to shoot yourself in the foot and make me not interested. <laughs> it's basically instead of pre-ordering, it's sort of like I'm just going to wait for reviews mm-hmm. and user reactions. So like, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what to think of that, man. It's It's a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback, so leave comments on our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, hit us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us at iTunes. Leave us iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Charter Moore. And uh, we will see you next week. No, you know what? Hold up really quick. I got Uh-oh. one more piece of news, Jonah, and maybe you all will be interested in this. Let's not end on a stupid note like that. Let's talk about Jagged <laughs> Alliance 3, because this news just broke today. They're bringing Ian Curry back to work on Gi- Jagged Alliance 3. Did you hear this? No. Ian Curry is the original developer and designer of the of Jagged Alliance 1 and 2. And Hammond uh, right. Games and THQ Nordic announced today that Ian Curry is coming back to assist on the development of Jagged Alliance 3. Did you know that I was one of the beta testers for Jagged Alliance 2? That's if you dope as hell. If you play the game, you'll see me in the credits. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, I have been very nervous about Jagged Alliance 3 because other publishers and other developers have taken that franchise. Let's let's take a step back here. For those who don't know, uh, Jagged Alliance is basically a precursor to XCOM. It's basically a tactical uh, sh- a shooter. The thing is that you're hiring mercenaries. And sometimes they'll do things that you don't want them to do. And sometimes they will not like some of their teammates and refuse to do anything because they're in the team with them. So it's basically you're having to deal with personalities as well as doing a uh, a XCOM-style tactical uh, uh, strategy game. Yeah, their personalities ran the gamut. Like you could have like dudes that were shaky-handed and nervous and would get scared easily. You would have ice-cold professionals. And you would have like these – like ice cold professionals wouldn't want to work with people that were shaky and like <laughs> would hate them. And you, you had to be considerate of who you paired up and how you were and who you were going to hire. Because also the, like you might want to hire the ice cold professional, but the shaky guy is much cheaper. Yeah. And like you have, a you have, a you have a limited budget. budget. Uh, let's add that. You have a limited budget too. Mm-hmm. So like to, 
and and like the premise of like hiring mercenaries to like stage a coup on like various tropical islands. It's well, it looks like it's going to be in, in, the, in, the, in a Caribbean uh, setting again. Yes. Um, and yeah, to bring back Ian Curry, who clearly has a good idea of what makes this franchise work, uh, is a game, very big deal. And the game always felt so breathing. You know, it felt like it, it, it. The game felt alive unto itself. I mean, XCOM is great, but you know, you you didn't really feel like you were controlling. You know, actual living people. You felt like you were controlling robots. Mm-hmm. And like, this has been like people have been nervous about this because Jagged Alliance, past Jagged Alliance Two and its expansions, the franchise fell into the hands of other publishers and other developers who put out what could be considered cash grabs and pissed a lot of people off in the process. <laughs> uh, Jagged Alliance Crossfire is a bad game. <laughs> like and there's others that are terrible games. People hate them, and so there was a lot of folks that really want to, myself included, that really want to see Jagged Alliance three succeed and do well and bring back the spirit of the series while doing it in a new and exciting way. And so to have Ian Curry on board, who was there at the beginning when he he started the franchise, that makes me feel like this is in good hands. So, so there you go. Good, good news to cap it off on. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.